This is Metal Mike, and I give you a special episode of the 80s Glam Metal Cast, Striper Fest. On this one, I'm joined by Pastor Wildman and Steve from the Wildman and Steve Show podcast. We have a blast together. We reveal our top five favorite Striper albums. We talk in depth about the albums. We also talk about the band's 80s image and the 80s videos. You're free to do what you want to, but my suggestion is to check this out. Master Wildman and Steve, welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing good, as far as I can tell. How are you doing, Steve? You know what? I, I am doing fantastic, man. Uh, and Mike, it's good to, good to be on your show. Yes, thanks for having us. Yeah, no problem. Um, good to talk to you again. Uh, as people will find, we we I was on your podcast and we talked about '80s metal, and um, you guys are going to be on my podcast, and we'll probably talk about some '80s Christian metal. Sound like a plan? Perfect. Sounds good. Well, why don't you guys talk about your podcast? Tell everybody what you do so they know a little bit of your background. Well, uh, basically, the the show started a little over a year ago. Um, I had do, I had been doing some podcasting on my own. And I invited this guy named Steve Perkins that I heard about uh, uh, to be a guest just to talk about music in general because I knew that him and I both had the same um, uh, the, the same interest in music and from the same era and the same interest in faith. And so uh, contacted him, interviewed him, and then he just never went away. So he became a permanent uh, co-host, and uh, from then on, it has just it has just grown over this over that first year that we just completed. It has grown more than we ever expected it to grow. That's awesome, Steve. Anything you want to add? Yeah, no. I think Wildman said it all. It's it's just been so much fun uh, talking to great artists, uh, connecting with fans as well and they're really trying to make those connections between fans and musicians between musicians and and a wider fan base for them and uh, as we say trying to just help everybody connect with jesus awesome yeah i I just wanted to add again that you know steve and i have admitted this on our show but we use the podcast in many ways as an excuse to talk to the artists that we love so it's pretty much like a backstage pass just about every episode. <laughs> <laughs> same here, same here. So obviously you guys <laughs> you guys specialize in Christian rock and metal, uh, and you've interviewed some of the members of Striper, correct? Right. We have. Yeah, Michael Sweet and Oz Fox. Awesome. So obviously you guys are the right dudes for the job to discuss a top five of Striper's albums. So what I was thinking is we'll go around the horn. Uh, Steve, we'll start with you. And we'll just go five, four, three, two, one. Yeah, I, I did that right. And we'll, I'll, I'll notate everybody's choices, and then we'll kind of go back around and do a roundtable and discuss each of the albums, what we like about each of them. So, Steve, man, start us off. Well, I got to tell you, Mike, I, I was really thinking about my list through this afternoon. I, I after you talked with us about this um, prior to the show, I, I've been thinking about it and. Oh, man, you know, Striper, the Striper catalog for a lot of people really kind of it is in two pieces. There's, there's a classic sound that was really the 80s up through about 1990 there with, with Against the Law. Uh, and then you've got the uh, really the, the last set of new albums uh, here in the 2000s. And you had a, couple, you know, a few other things there in between, but you kind of got the two halves of the catalog, and it's really, really difficult 
to try to pick a top five out of that that really broad uh, band of, of a broad body of work that they've done. But uh, number five coming in for me uh, is is Goddamn Evil. Uh, love that album. Uh, love the title track. Um, love the opening, Take It to the Cross. That, that's number five for me. This, the, I will tell you, two, three, and four were the really tough ones for me as, as to which to put in, in which order. I really knew that they were in this, this section. Um, four is No More Hell to Pay. Uh, and, and I will confess, No More Hell to Pay could have actually been number one for me. I absolutely love the album. Uh, start to finish. I think it is, it is fabulous. Uh, number three for me would be To Hell with the Devil. Uh, so going back to the classic now, the 80s sound for them. Uh, and then coming in at number two, which again is going to easily been number one. Uh, I've heard uh, Michael Sweet say that in a lot of ways he really liked this album. Uh, one, of the, one of the best for him that he enjoyed making uh, was um, Soldiers Under Command. Uh, again, just another one, just, just fabulous, classic, hair metal sound from the 80s. And coming in at number one for me is their most recent album, Even the Devil Believes. Wow, very nice. Very good list. Very, very good. And we'll we'll dig deeper into all those in a second. Uh, Wild Man, what do you got, man? What do you got? All right. Uh, well, I, I would agree with Steve that it is difficult um, because uh, looking back through their whole catalog, I mean, you can choose certain things that you like better than others, but it's hard to find one that you just throw away. You know, uh, every project was great. But coming in at number five, I, I put my fifth one is Even the Devil Believes. Um, their most recent one, um, and, and Steve's laughing over there because there's going to be some mix-up here as far as uh, our opinions. Um, uh, it, it's coming in at number five, um, and a lot of it is because their musicianship was just top-notch with this latest album, and so that's why I put it at number five. Uh, number four for me is Reborn. One of the that's one of the forgotten ones. The first one they did coming out of uh, of their retirement, so to speak, in the early two thousands. Um, and a lot of the reason I chose Reborn was because that was the one that. Uh, kind of reintroduce them to everybody and i and i do love the sound i love the sound on reborn even though it was on the pop metal side it's kind of i'm kind of into a little bit of that um number three was uh to hell with the devil um classic sound you cannot beat it um it, it, and the the sound and the message and the hard-hitting message of the day i remember when that came out and hearing it that took the world by storm. There's no question. Um, number two, Goddamn Evil for me. Love this. Love the album, um, especially the title track, Take It to the Cross. But the title track especially, I just love that classic 80s sound. Number one for me, <laughs> Against the Law. And the reason I like Against the Law, that's the one that is the most controversial. Is the last one they did. Uh, um, before they broke up and went their separate ways and came back. Um, but I, I love Against the Law because the sound. They did divert from the striper sound, and I love the striper sound, but it was almost like, to, for me, that um, I, I was able to say, hey, guys, look, these guys can rock just like anybody else because Against the Law, they did. They just let it rip, and I really appreciated that. Awesome. 
All right, man. Well, here's what I got. You know, definitely some similar ones as you guys. Um, but here's one that you neither of you have. What I really like is number five. I've got Murder by Pride. I uh, really, yeah. really, really dig that album. And now that I look at this one, my rest of mine are probably very predictable. Four, Against the Law, and exactly what you said. Wow, man, I, I was just jamming on it today. I love the heaviness. I love the, the sound quality. It, you know, I know they deviated from their message a bit, but, man, it's just a killer album. It really is. Um, three, I got I'm go, got to go In God We Trust. I love In God We Trust. I realize it's very yeah. much a copycat of, of To Hell With The Devil, but it, it's still very good. Uh, number two, To Hell With The Devil. And number one, man, I got to go Soldiers Under Command. I just love Soldiers Under Command. So those those are my five. Great. So let's let's talk about some of these, and if you want, we'll go around the horn in the same order. However, we'll just do whatever. But let's talk about uh, a few of these. So obviously, I mean, I'm very familiar with with all the ones you guys mentioned. But uh, talk a little bit more about Goddamn Evil because um, that's one where you know you guys both picked that one. Actually, Steve, no, you did even the Devil Believes is number one. But you guys both have that um, on your list. So why don't you guys talk about that one a little bit? Why do you guys like that one so much? You know, I, I think it, it similar to what Wildman said. I, I think it's it's strong, it's strong lyrically. It's incredibly strong musically. Uh, I like the fact that they experimented uh, with "Take It to the Cross." Not everybody liked that. I liked it. I like it when an artist says, uh, in this case, you know, the whole band, say, "Look, we're not just stuck in a formula. Uh, we are musicians." We like to explore. We like to create. We like to do new things. And, and I really appreciated that. Uh, and again, lyrically, that, that song I thought was, was very solid. Um, to me, the, the title track is just, there, there's a fellow, Lee Spencer, who does uh, Iridium music and reviews uh, on YouTube. He's, he's a huge Striper fan. But again, all things really classic rock and, and, and so forth. And, and he'll always say, you know, it's like, oh, it's just incredible. It's just incredible. And, and honestly, that song is just incredible for me. Uh, the, the, just the, 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 the swagger, really, the attitude uh, coming out of that song. Um, and again, the lyrical, the message uh, behind that one uh, as well. And then, and again, several others. Now, I will, I will be quick to say, though, I could have easily replaced that with Reborn, I really considered Reborn at one point, uh, which Wildman brought up. Uh, I absolutely adore, I, I, I just wore Reborn out uh, when it first came out. Uh, I love it, I thought it was very heavy. Uh, I, I, I really liked it a lot. Uh, but Against the Law, man, I, I, I was really waffling. And again, with the five, it's like, you know, I'm going to be a little bit more in the classic side or a little bit more on the modern side. I wasn't kind of sure which way to go there. Uh, but Against the Law is just fabulous and and start to finish uh and blistering as well but i think maybe the thing maybe i would have picked the goddamn evil is uh, again the production uh these the, the the most recent albums the production level has just been off the charts wild man what are your thoughts well yeah for for goddamn evil i i would agree with everything steve said i, I mean i would also say that as a guitarist the title track i loved it, it it's one of those where you you know that as a fan and a guitarist, you, you you're listening for that certain sound, and you want bands to do that certain sound, but yet they have their own sound. And Striper has always had their own sound, but when they, you listen to the title track as a guitarist, I, I listen to that thinking they got it, 
they they did what I wanted, and I and I appreciated that, and that was that definite classic metal that I, I would say even diverted from the classic striper sound. Um, with it was more of a more on the lines of an ACDC sound, mm-hmm. uh, for my, yeah. in my opinion, and, and I really like that fist pumping uh, sound. Um, uh, Take it to the cross again. That was one that. It, it had to grow on a lot of people, I think, and I think it had to grow on me. But the way the way they introduced it, I thought, was the best because um, they came out with the video. And if you remember when that video came out, um, I remember watching it when it came out when it first came out, and it was just a lyric video. It was all all that it was, but it just had that um, introduction, that powerful introduction of you know zooming in and then landing and then here we are kind of a thing to start the song off it was just an incredible start, and I just like I, I love the imagery that they did with that with that song, and so. That's why Goddamn Evil is second on my list. And, and in fact, I mean, the rest of the tracks are great, and I'm one of those crazy guys. I just need a couple tracks to say an album's great. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys. That I know it wasn't in my top five, but I, I agree. I, I like how they took some chances uh, lyrically and even musically. And, and, you know, they've really have done that a lot in their career. You know, they haven't always played it safe. And maybe let's kind of a talk about against the law when, when it comes to not playing it safe. So obviously that was a big chance that they took. They they took a step away from the subject matter, even their colors. Right? They got rid of the yellow and black. Um, and that's a very it's a very interesting album against the law because, like we said, sonically it's really good. It's heavy and um, it's but it's you know it's inconsistent in a lot of ways too. Uh, when I interviewed Michael Sweet, I don't know if you guys brought this up at all this album, but I talked to him about it. And I told him, I said, you know, when you get to the end of the album, you've got songs like Caught in the Middle and All for One, and they sound pretty much like the natural progression of where, you know, Christian Striper would be going or the previous version of Striper. But then you've got all these other songs that are kind of more rocky and and more sleek. You know, I don't know if they were any of them were really sleazy lyrically, but maybe musically they fit in more with the 80s hair scene. Um, so the album's kind of all over the place, and he kind of mentioned that, he took a step to try to bring a few songs that were like the old style, and that's why where you catch them kind of randomly through the album. But, man, I don't know. Still, it, I still think it's one of their better albums. I know he doesn't really look very fondly on it, but which I understand. But, yeah, man, yeah. it's a cool album. What, what do you guys think about it? Uh, I think it's incredible. I, I remember when it came out. Um, I, I was... Uh, do I date myself here? Uh, I admit <laughs> that I was in my senior year of college at the time. Um, but uh, I distinctly remember getting it, getting it in the long box. Uh, you yep. remember the long CD boxes mm-hmm. um, that, that we had in the record stores at the time. I remember getting it and going, wow, what is this? Right? It wasn't the, the usual um, the logo. The lettering of Striper was different. As you said, they got rid of the yellow and black. Uh, and then just the look, uh, it definitely looked like, and you know, you used a good word there, kind of a little bit of that sleazy, um, you know, it's just typical, really typical 80s hair rock. Uh, but man, I, again, I realize we all respect Michael doesn't like it because it has bad memories for him. Got it. We understand that. Now, the fans love it. <laughs> it was just, I'm, I'm looking at the playlist, man. Just song after song after song. And yes, you're right. I think you're right. There, there's some things that are a little bit uh, over the place in terms of you know, the songs like, uh, you know, Rock the Hell Out of You, uh, Caught in the Middle, very striper sort of sound. 
uh, than other things like, uh, you know, not that kind of guy, uh, two-time woman. You wouldn't have expected that from Striper, but it just shows that they had the chops uh, that they could do it. And dude, I just, I just love it. It's great, great attitude music. Definitely. Yeah. Well, man, yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, I, I would agree with that as well. And, and I would also, I would also add that, um, you know, I, I've, I heard a, I remember them getting a lot of heat. Um, when that happened and and I remember a lot of people the the whole issue back then was we have a Christian band went secular you know or like Amy Grant for example did a secular song that made it was all over the place you know Amy Grant's leaving God and and so there was a whole uh, trend of man did you hear a striper they, they've left God they've done this but if you read Michael Sweet's book and if you look at the lyrics of the song yes it was different but they didn't divert. I mean, it was all still a positive message. Every song was a positive message. Like, like for example, Two Time Woman, it wasn't a, I mean, it wasn't a bad message to, to convey that, hey, I'm not going to put up with that, you know, that, mm-hmm. that type of a thing. Um, but I, I would also say that I think that in the early 90s, um, and I don't, I, I can't, this is just my gut feeling. I don't have a lot of evidence for this, but I have some. I think that in the early 90s, a lot of the hair bands were reaching their peak. However, the hair metal and arena rock was going out, so a lot of us missed it. So I see this in many ways as Striper at their peak, because this was probably, at least in the first, in their first uh, um, uh, string of albums of their catalog, before the breakup, I would say this would be the this would be the top one mature-wise, music and production-wise, compared to the other one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah and I, you're right. You're spot on because if you if you follow other bands of that era as well, I mean, uh, obviously I specialize in the 80s hair metal. Uh, if, you, if you look at like Warren and Winger, these guys were evolving with each album where they may have come out a little bit more cornier with some of the songs they kept evolving and got more political and harder edge. You know what I mean? So it, it was it was a sign of the times and it was just, you know what? Let's face it, it's what bands do. You know, if you're not if you don't evolve as a band, then you're kind of probably a boring band, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's let's touch on one that I think everybody had. Well, this will be an easy one to talk about. To hell with the devil. I mean, this is when Striper becomes a household name. And I guess the question I want to throw to you guys is like, how did they do it? How did this Christian metal band become a household name? Because really, if you think about 80s metal, the message of Striper does not fit in with the 80s metal message. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Well, they became a household name the way that every other hair band in the 80s became household names, and that was with their ballad. Yeah, yep, <laughs> honestly, yep, you're right. It, right, it, it, it was honestly that, that broke the MTV Top 10, uh, you know, in videos. And, and you think about it, you know, poison, every rose has a storm, uh, and so forth. So it, it, as much as we love the, the, the hard-rocking, the, the metal aspect and, and, you know, if an album had 10 tracks, nine of them were going to be a hard and in your face. Yet it was the balance that really broke all these bands oh, yeah. for, for a lot of people. So, you know, you ask, how did it happen? Uh, well, it was clearly the song, honestly. Yeah. I, and I, I, I agree with that too. And I think that the, uh, that's one of the ways that bands really made it. It was the ballads, the power ballads. That was the power ballad era. 
Um, honestly, you know, I used to compare honestly to my, uh, to Motley Crue's home sweet home, you know, that, that type of, uh, a connection that they made with that sound. Um, but I would also say that, that to hell with the devil was when Striper made it big. And I would say that they made it big because they were so confusing. People didn't know quite what to do with them. You had, as, as Michael even stated this in some, in, in his own words, but you, you had the metal community who discarded them because of their message, and then you had the Christian community who discarded them because of their music. Mm-hmm. And they were right in the middle of controversy wherever they went, and and controversy always brings attention. And whether they did this intentionally or not, whichever way, I think that's one of the reasons why they became a household name was because, like, for example, my, my parents, I wasn't even allowed to own, the, own that album when I was, you know, my, my friend had it, went over there to listen to it. Um, and because when my mom heard the title right away, she was like, we don't talk that way here. You know, we don't say that. We don't say to hell with, to hell with anybody, even the devil, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then, of course, if they looked at him, oh, my goodness, that was the end. Well, what she said, we're going to get into that later. Um, <laughs> but I think it had a lot to do with they hit a market stride right in the center where they were able to connect with both sides of the fence in a very confusing way that um, brought them a lot of popularity. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you, you, you said it there with, with the title, right, To Hell with the Devil. It's a bold title. It catches people's attention. Uh, it's a little bit edgy, uh, more edgy in 1986 than, than in 2021. Um, and then I think you add with that edge, uh, I would add the original album art. Uh, most people are going to know about the, the angel art. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. And yeah. which is what I originally had on cassette uh, was, was the angel art. And, and you've got this kind of comic book style art. Uh, it seems like comic books and metal have often kind of been in the same neighborhood with each other. Uh, you've got the, the four members of the band just looking, you know, ripped. As angels, and go, man, that is just cool. It, and, and certainly on their first three album covers, there's no question it was, it was the best of the album covers. So I guess again, yeah, you put that in there, and it just hit at the right time. Another thing that I think about with Striper um, is there obviously were other Christian metal bands that were similar to them at the time that didn't get as big. And you know what I think it comes down to with Striper is it's they have they write good songs, they write great songs actually. And they're very talented musicians and singers because we just said against the law, it was a totally different vibe, but it was still incredible. The reason that is, is because they're a great band and they write great songs. And that's why people who weren't necessarily Christians gravitated to the music because it was great music. Right. Well, and Mike, I wouldn't just tag onto that. I think you make a very good point there. These guys were also hanging out with the secular bands. Right. These guys were playing the they were playing Gazaris. They were playing the Troubadour uh, in, in um, Sunset Strip. And I remember seeing them on the um, In God We Trust tour and White Lion opened for them. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So, so they're in that, that market where they're not just playing, you know, Christian festivals. They're not just playing churches or, or, or that sort of thing. But they're, they're, they're playing the clubs. They're playing the arenas with the secular bands. And so that also gave them a broader audience. But I also think, you know, from their perspective, evangelistically, they're going, there's a lot of people that we want to reach here. So, yeah, I think that was a good combination. Yeah, yeah and, and signing with Enigma 
uh, with Enigma Records, uh, the same the same record that signed Motley Crue. Um, you know, the whole the first Christian band to be on a secular label, mm-hmm. um, yep. that whole thing. Uh, I, I think that just opened up the, their connection to the whole world, um, and and the whole idea of uh, of, the, of them musically. Um, the other thing I'd add to it, and we might get into this later in the show, is that I, you know, you hear a band and you're like, especially in the Christian market, because I was huge in the Christian market and Christian rock and metal when I was in high school growing up, and there was always like, hey, you got to hear this band. Why? Well, hey, they sound just like Def Leppard. Put them in. Hey, you got to hear this. They sound just like. I could never do that for Striper. Striper seemed to have have their own distinct sound, and they didn't try to copy anybody. Right. And I think that's another reason why they were so successful yeah yeah i agree uh another album uh i had it at number one uh steve had it at number two wild man you didn't have it on your list at all we'll we'll, we'll, we'll scold you later on that one is soldiers under command <laughs> um steve give me your thoughts on soldiers well i'm going to give you my thoughts on wild man for not having <laughs> it on the list at all and and i assure you i assure you mike uh, that Wild Man and I will be having that out. <laughs> Why does this always happen to me? <laughs> now, you know, it, it, it's interesting, you know, especially making these lists, uh, you know, as I was really thinking, like I said, I was really thinking about it again this afternoon, and I didn't want to build my list in any way based on nostalgia. Right? If I, if I did it purely based on nostalgia, Soldiers would have been number one. Uh, for sure, uh, Tell the Devil would have been number two. Um, yeah, I would have been in God We Trust and, and Against the Law because that was the era that I first knew them and first fell in love with music. So I really just wanted to listen to it just musically. And I got to tell you, man, every time I queue up, and I know Michael would like to re-record uh, the entire album and bring it up to speed in terms of production, you know, 21st century uh, quality and all that sort of stuff. And I think it would be fantastic to listen to. Uh, we, we heard some of the tracks when they re-recorded things on the second coming album. But when I listened to that original 1985 recording, it, it just does it for me. It, it is metal to the core. Um, and, and, I, and I really mean it's, it's metallic. There's <laughs> mm-hmm. a metallic sound to it and it just I, I love that original recording uh, again the songs that I'm, I'm just looking at just one after another of course the title track uh, but come on the rock that makes me roll uh, and and probably one of my all-time favorites uh, I when I see him in concert uh, now of course we have our our phones everybody's got their phones out to record things and, and, and I'll always record this song when they play it it's surrender yeah, surrender has got to be one of the most in your face, just a punch in the face song. Uh, I, I just I love it musically, and again I love it lyrically because here's the other thing, and, and this is something that Wildman and I talk about a lot on the sh- our show. We're convinced that there's no musical genre better suited for proclaiming both the gospel of Jesus and the Christian life than hard rock and metal. Because that message is so powerful and so strong and so transforming. This is a song that's talking about surrender. Freely surrender. Open up to his majesty. You're going, that, 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 that's kind of a strange lyric, right? Shouldn't it be about go out and conquer, go out and kill. 
No, the Christian message is surrender because he is the king. And I'm going, oh, I just, I just love that mix of sound and lyric on that album. Yeah, no, you made some great points. Wild Man, why is this not on your list? Defend yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there, there's, a, there's a couple of reasons, uh, if I could share. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with To Hell With The Devil was the first thing I heard. That was the first album that I ever heard from Striper. So I kind of backtracked into Soldiers. Um, and for me, it was it, the message is strong. The music is great. The lyrics are just as solid. The reason my reason Soldiers is around number six for me is probably mostly for the production. Um, the the background vocals um, were not as rich in harmony as their later projects, and that's really what I gravitated to was the, was the uh, harmony harmony of the vocals and the harmony of the guitars together. And so when I heard To Hell With The Devil first and went back to Soldiers, then it was kind of a, musically, it just kind of didn't fit the same peak that I was hoping for. Okay. But I will say, great album, no question, and uh, definitely at number six. And Steve's going to talk to me about moving it up more later, so <laughs> we'll get into that. Well, here's what's funny about me with this album. I'm the same as you. I, I started with The Hell With The Devil, so I had to backtrack to Soldiers Under Command. And I'll be honest, for quite a probably all my teens, I, I really never got into the album very much. And for some reason in my adult years is when I've gravitated to the album, I'd, I'd play through it and then I'd be like, Hey, first of all, this is their second album. They're writing song. Michael Sweet's writing songs like first love. I mean, these are amazing songs and there's a lot of fun songs on it too. When you think of something like uh, together uh, forever, you know what I mean? Um, it's just so many cool, fun, rocky songs as well that are just catchy, you know? And I just think, I think song-wise, it's just got better songs than To Hell With The Devil. I think those were the two I was tied with. Although I think To Hell With The Devil has stronger singles. Obviously, the singles are just monsters, as long as, as well as the title track. But I think song for song, I think this just has more... It, I, you can listen to it all the way through um, and just, at least for me, and just love all the songs. So this one grew on me. This wasn't a nostalgia fest for me. This one grew on me um, later on in life. But I just, like I said, I just really dig this album. Even The Devil Believes. Why don't you guys give your thoughts on that one? Obviously, it's the newest album. So, you know, when it first came out, uh, and I'm, I'm similar to Wild Man in this regard, I, 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 I fall in love quickly, okay? And so when, when I hear you know, a few songs off the album, or I've heard the whole album through once, I pretty well made up my mind. Uh, what I think about it. Uh, and then I'll listen to it for a while and then I'll come back to it and say that that, that first opinion really, really hold. I got to tell you, even the devil believes just pound for pound knocks it out of the park. Production off the charts. Everything, the, the, the bass, the guitar, the drums, the vocals, it's, it's mixed so well. Again, Michael has his hands all over that thing. Uh, as a producer and really, really knows what he's doing, really brings it up. Production value off the charts. The, the, the musicality of it, just the music is phenomenal. Again, just in your face. Uh, for God and rock and roll, I mean, that is an anthem. Uh, if this were the 80s and they were still playing arenas, that would be one of the entire arena would have a fist in the air, um, you know, middle finger messiah, same way. Uh, and then for me, it's lyrics. Now, Michael disagrees 
uh, on this, and this is one I, I, I've said it, I think, even on our show. Um, and, and Michael, if you're listening, I hope you don't unfriend me on Twitter <laughs> because of this. Um, but you're, you're wrong, and I'm right on this one. Okay, uh, it has to do with the lyrical depth. The lyrical depth on, on this this whole album is just unlike anything else. And that's not to say that ever, the other albums were shallow. They're not. Uh, and again, I think Wildman had touched on that earlier. Uh, there's, there's a lot of great depth in, in, in a lot of their songs. But this one, just song after song, where it's deeply scriptural, uh, just the phrasing and the wording, uh, you know, do unto others, let him in. Uh, these are just such strong lyrically. Uh, so production, music, lyrics, knocked out of the park. And, and let me just quickly add, the album cover means a lot to me. Uh, and while I don't necessarily judge an album or a book by the cover, they have to go together for me. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I absolutely loved about No More Hell to Pay. Uh, the art was just fantastic, and it just to me, the art, the color scheme, everything worked with the sounds and worked with the music. This album cover, oh my goodness. You're, here you've got great winged Satan, dark, bowing before the throne of Christ, glowing, and, and you've got this imagery straight out of the book of Revelation. I'm going, oh, dude, dude, and it's as metal as it gets. So really, it's just four for four. For me, that's why I love it. Wild man, what do you say? Yeah, you know, I I, I, can't, I, ha- I have to be able to say this. Without mentioning names, um, there's a lot of 80s bands out there that are still trying to match what they did back in the day. And one of the reasons why this album deserves to be on the top five is because look at these guys. Look at how long they've been doing this. And look at the range Michael Sweet continues to have at his age after all these years. They, they play so tight together, you know, with Robert on the drums and Oz and uh, um, with the newcomer Perry Richardson. Um, really tremendous sound. I mean, they, they, have, they have really honed their craft, so to speak, and that has a lot to do with it. And I would agree with Steve on the on the message. Um, you know, I, I'd say over the last few albums that Michael Sweet has been a part of, um, not just with Striper, but also his solo albums and his stuff with Sweet and Lynch, he has not diverted in any way from the message. The, the, his message has been strong all throughout, and, and I appreciate that, that he, he did not take this time to divert from that, but to actually get as Steve said, even get deeper into the lyrics. I mean, you compare the lyrics to this one to to Hell with the Devil um, or Soldiers, there's definitely a difference in depth, and that has to do with maturity yep. and, and yep. His, his writing has matured and so forth. Um, but, yeah, I, th- that's why I, I love the album. We, we watched their live stream, my family and I did. I think Steve did as well. Watched the live stream where they did a, the, um, a live concert for us here recently. And that was just incredible. It was just glued. I mean, there was no stage. There was no arena. There wasn't anything that you're used to. There wasn't even really a light show. They're just in a studio playing, and they're so good. It just made me just – we just watched it, and it never took our eyes off of it. It was just incredible. 
Now this album, I'll, I'm going to be completely honest with. You. I haven't spent enough time with it. I need to. I, I've listened to it a few times, and I definitely like it. But and you guys can probably relate. What kind of happens in life is you're busy, you're working, and then you're doing your podcast and you're editing this, and and for some reason, you know, months will go by, and you and I didn't. I should have been listening to that a little bit more. Why? Why? What happened? Where did it go? And then, uh, so I. That's my big regret. But I need to. Listen to what you guys are saying and, and give that album a chance more. But one thing that I'm agreeing with you on is the depth of the lyrics. And and I think you you've touched on a good point. When when they were when he was younger, you know, and it's a maturity thing and, and they're great lyrics, they're just very straightforward. Um and if we go to the Murder by Pride album, one song that really stands out for me is uh Four Leaf Clover. And that one is so cool because, you know, like as a Christian, you uh there's no such thing as luck. You know, it's like you're blessed. You're not lucky. You're blessed. You know what I mean? And I think it's such a cool way to twist all that. No such thing as a unicorn, you know? And once again, it's just, it's saying the same stuff, but it's saying it in a different, unique way. And it sounds like, you know, that's what he's been doing on all these modern albums that that Striper have done. And and I think that's cool. Well, I'm going to throw a thing in there on your your your, your preference for that particular album, um, Murder by Pride. Uh, I didn't have it in the top five, um, and in terms of just my overall listening enjoyment, uh, I, I, I like the heavier stuff. But at one time, I had a, a playlist that I had made that I just titled for myself, God Speaking Through Striper, okay? <laughs> so there were certain songs I, was, I would listen, and, and I'd go, oh, man, God is just really speaking to me through that lyric. I'd throw it on that playlist. I had more songs from Murder by Pride on that list than from any other album. Uh, and then they were not that really big, heavy, heavy musically, uh, music songs, but, uh, you know, Mercy Over Blame. Yep. I Believe. And, and, and one of really my favorites is Run in You. Yes. Uh, you know, I just, I just, I just want to run in you. Right? I just want to be in you, Lord. Uh, and there's so many times in my life where I feel that way. And so I, 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 I'm with you on that. I didn't make my top five, but I'm absolutely with you on that. Now, one album you guys did not have in there, which I did, was uh, In God We Trust. And when I, when I interviewed Michael Sweet, you know, I, I kind of asked him, I said, to me, as a fan, when I put this album next to The Hell With The Devil... They're almost like brother and sister, brothers, or you know what I mean? Like the first track is the title track. The second track is the single. The third track is the ballad. You know, like when you compare those two albums, they're very cookie cutter, you know, compared to each other. And he said, you know, it was deliberate. You know, we had a big hit and we had some pressure from the label and we tried to recreate the vibe to an extent of To Hell With The Devil. Do you guys agree with that? Or, I mean, what made that not be in your list? You know, for me, it was... And I will say, like you with Soldiers Under Command, this one has changed for me over the years. Uh, again, I remember being in college when I first got it. Uh, I got it right at the same time as um, Motley Crue's Dr. Feelgood. And part of the problem was I ended up comparing the two. Mm-hmm. And um, I felt that, that Dr. Feelgood probably hit a little bit harder. I felt that this is a little bit more poppy in sound. Yep. And I, what I came to realize was a little bit overproduced, I think. Uh, and I think Michael has commented on that. Uh, then in, in later years, uh, I've, I've listened to it again and again. I'm going, wow, this actually is a really good album. It really, uh, really stands up, uh, I think, 
probably all the band would just as well prefer if they'd not recorded Come to the Everlife. Um, <laughs> in fact, I think Michael kind of teases Oz about that one. Uh, but the, the others, they, they really are solid songs. Um, so, yeah, I, I, again, a little little poppy for me at times. Uh, it was again, why I didn't make the top five, but but it certainly could have, and, and certainly in terms of 80s hair metal albums, I really just stayed back in that era. Uh, this would be right up there. Yeah, and and I think I think too I I appreciated the the striper sound that continued in that album. They didn't divert, and it was the classic um, harmony with the vocals, harmony with the guitars. Um, and I forget how many tracks I think Michael said they actually did for the vocals, but they just kept layering the vocals over and over to the point where he thought it was overproduced. He thought that they probably didn't try to do it too too much but i think as you already alluded to mike i think the problem is that you know when a band or any artist of any type hits what they did with to hell with the devil where do they go from there the album that follows that is never going to be as good as the album that they did you know uh, because that got so much notoriety so much and they really couldn't beat it, at least not within a couple years of of, of uh, producing that one. So since we've talked a lot about To Hell with the Devil and In God We Trust, let's talk about the image and some of the videos from this era because they're they're outrageous in a lot of ways, <laughs> the image especially. Let's talk about the image of <laughs> To Hell with the Devil. I mean, that's probably where most of us saw Striper for the first time. And it's almost like uh, it's almost ki- like Kiss in a lot of ways. It's they have almost like these fantasy shots where like Tim Gaines is the race car driver, and I want to say Robert Sweet has swords. I'd have to pull up the picture to, to to get it all down, but they're almost like superheroish in a little bit in, in some ways. You guys buy that? Yeah. I, I, I love it. Look, here's here's the deal. We're we're kids of the '80s, and. Um... That's what the kids of today will never understand, okay? <laughs> the kids of today, you don't know how to have fun. Uh, you know, music in the 80s was fun, okay? Yeah. This was big hair. The guys were borrowing their girlfriend's Aquanet, all right? So, <laughs> come on. This was fun music. And so the videos were fun. Right, the costumes, the stage shows, the the dancing and prancing is, is a part of that. Um, you know, I mean, look, it, this was not Peter Paul and Mary. It wasn't an acoustic set in a nineteen sixty four coffee house. Okay, that wasn't what this was. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I, I bought into it. Um, and I think you say, well, that maybe looks silly compared with something else. And I go, well, at that point, maybe you're comparing, you know, apples to oranges, right? I, I don't think, you know, you, you can't compare a, a, a Striper video or a Motley or a Poison video, you know, with with Mozart. That, that's just a ridiculous comparison. Uh, and if you're going to do that, then you've well, already Mozart got my hand. here as well, Steve. <laughs> Seriously, the old boys, like, they had their powdered wigs on. They had the, they had the velvet jackets. Come on. Those guys were proto-heavy metal. They had their own version of spandex as well. <laughs> that was the beginning of glam. <laughs> I mean, the first thing that I, I like to say when people look at Striper and say, what is that? I say, well, that was a different era. And if you look back at that era, 
what band wasn't doing that? Right. Now, Striper at time might have taken the famous, but you look at other bands, there's a lot of similarities um, to the hair, the look of the hair, the spandex. I mean, you know, it, it was it was all over, um, and that was just what you did. Um, if you if you were into metal, that's what you did. The big hair. I mean, I had the big hair. You know, I mean, all we as Steve talks about is rock rock box. You know, all of us had that, and I, I appreciate what you're saying, Mike. That it is it is fun, and I I think that focusing, as Steve said too, about the the fun that that to focus on the fun more than the controversy that it brought is probably a better route for us to go. Yeah. What, well, and I don't think they were really any more outrageous than, than anybody else. I mean, seriously, look at C.C. DeVille's hair <laughs> in Poison. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. They, 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 were, they were no more ridiculous no. Uh, than, than, than Motley or Bon Jovi on the Slippery album and tour. Come on, look at that. Yeah. So, one thing that's also interesting is in the videos, they had really big stage productions. Um, I want to say it's in um, um, Always There For You. Ah, I got it. Um, in that it's video, there for you. yeah, they're, they're, there's a part where they're they're dangling on chain, like the, they're, they're like on triangles that are held up by chains. And then there's these giant striper logos that take up the whole stage. And what always blew me away is that I don't think many of this these items went on tour with them because i'll watch tour videos and there's there's a little bit of a show but it's not like this video and it's like did they produce all these things just for these videos because i mean it's it's a huge stage show that they put on yeah it yeah. was it was that, that there, there's no question about that 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 and i think michael alluded to it in his book how much effort and how much um uh money was put towards those productions um, and I don't know what you guys think about when you think about the 80s videos, but the part that I love, the part that just kind of kind of gets me in the, in the nostalgia feels is the moment where the video trans, uh, the, the videos following the storyline or the plot line, and then it's usually on the last chorus or the last verse, it transfers into the live concert. <laughs> I just, that's the part that I just love that transfer over and the, and the crowd's cheering and the band continues to sing the song. You, know, you also have to understand, too, our, our, our people of today who did not grow up in that era have to understand this was the first time that you had music television mm -hmm. yeah. where you had specific videos made to go with songs and broadcast on television. And just as bands today have had to learn how to harness social media, and really know how to use it well to promote themselves. That's what the bands had to do in the 80s uh, with MTV. And it, it's a visual medium. <laughs> okay, so again, you, you know, you're not going to have some stripped down, small little set, you know, kind of thing. No, it, it, this is visual. We want to see big. We want to see color, right? We want to see explosions going off. And so... Part of that had to do with that that medium, you know. And I too, you hit on a great point. You know, this was the beginning of music television, and it's so sad that it doesn't exist today. You know, the way that it did in the '80s. But uh, there was money behind it. 
So like you said, you could do this kind of stuff because there was big money behind the production, the the producing the of, of the albums and the videos. And now it's it's like everything's been so condensed if you're not on a major label. You know, it's you get a lyric video. And, and really, when you think about it, how, how could we have gone backwards with this stuff? When you think back to the direction of, you know, even Michael Jackson, Thriller, and, uh, and all these different uh, videos, they were like little movies. And to think where movies went, you know, with the Avengers and, and Star Wars, and to think the music video, for the most part, just went backwards or, or isn't a thing. It's pretty sad. It is. It is. And, and I, I appreciate the fact that Striper continues to do the videos now. Um, well, like us. <laughs> and and can, can we all just sit here and acknowledge 2020, October of 2020, even the devil believes comes up. Striper releases this video, Do Unto Others. It crosses the million view mark on YouTube. Wow. This is a band started in big numbers you know and once again it'd be great if it was still a channel where you could watch it on your tv but you know that's not the way that people absorb things today everybody's on an ipad everybody's on a phone so maybe it's where it's supposed to be right now you know i don't know maybe or maybe we're on the verge of seeing the beginning of the metal mike wild man and steve tv station (laughs) oh yes yep it's gotta happen (laughs) <laughs> well you know what you just brought up a great point why don't you tell everybody how they can watch your podcast uh be, until that network that channel starts how can people uh watch your podcast where do they go well basically you go to wildmanandsteve.com and you'll see the shows that we do um and uh, the feed we're, we're putting out an episode every week and we're at where wherever you you what you get your podcast so we're on iHeartRadio, we're on Apple, uh, Spotify, uh, Google Cast, you, you, you name it. Um, we're everywhere. I mean, you know, not us exactly, but our show is everywhere. Um, so, yeah, wherever you get our podcast, if you want to know information specifically about who we are, wildmansteve.com is the place to go. Or two men going through a midlife crisis.com. <laughs> and you can also follow us on all the social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Wildman and Steve. So at Wildman and Steve, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com slash Wildman and Steve. So just find our name and you'll find us there. 
Awesome. Well, hey, guys. It was a pleasure talking some Striper with you. I knew you guys were the the right pick for this job, and uh, I think we did a great job going through them. And, it, and it's fun going back and, and listening, and you guys made great points. Um, and for those listening, if you haven't listened to some of the newer albums, hopefully this discussion helps you to you know realize that they're still making great music, and you can find it easily on Spotify and YouTube. So definitely check that all out. Well, thanks a lot, guys. It was a pleasure. Hey, thanks for having us, sir. It's been great. Thank you. It's sad to say goodbye to my buddies, Wild Man and Steve, but we'll talk again. We'll talk soon over on their podcast, and I'll keep you posted on that. Till then, rock on!